Hi, everyone. Get ready for the How I Raised It podcast, the show where you get an inside, unfiltered look at how real entrepreneurs raise capital for their businesses. I'm your host, Nathan Beckard, and thank you for tuning in to today's episode with Travis Holloway of Solo Funds, a community and app that allows people to access short-term loans. Travis has a pretty interesting backstory and founding story. If you're tuning into this podcast to learn how to raise capital for your business, I've created a very valuable free welcome pack for you. It includes a list of 2,500 investors who don't require a warm intro, plus 200 of the most important questions that serious investors are going to ask you. This is great practice before you get out there pitching. To get access to this, please leave us a nice review in the Apple iTunes store, click all the stars, and then email us at info at foundersuite.com, and I'll send that right off to you. And last but not least, if you enjoy this conversation or this show and think someone else would too, please share it with them and hit the like and subscribe buttons uh, to get all the future episodes. Thank you so much. And for now, sit back and enjoy the chat with Travis. Welcome to How I Raised It, the podcast that goes behind the scenes with entrepreneurs who've raised capital. We uncover the tips, tricks, and techniques they use to get investors to write a check. Strap in and turn it up. Hi, welcome to another episode of How I Raised It, produced by Foundersuite.com. Today, I have Travis Holloway of Solo Funds coming to us from Los Angeles. How's your day going? It's awesome. Super excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. What is Solo Funds? Solo is a mobile lending exchange that connects individual people. So individual lenders and individual borrowers for the purpose of providing more affordable access to small dollar loans under $1,000. Think of us conceptually as Airbnb, but for loans and think of us as technology to disrupt uh, the traditional payday lending industry. The traditional what industry? Payday lending. Oh, payday. Sure, sure, sure. Uh Um, Interesting. And so I guess give a, a scenario. It's, is it kind of like cross-border transactions uh, or is it um, more, you know, I just need 200 bucks to fix my car. Uh, you know, <laughs> what, what, what's yeah. the typical scenario or user case? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, individuals are borrowing money. Well, take a step back. 78% of the country is living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, typically when people think about, you know, microfinance or micro loans, they're thinking about people abroad and emerging markets and, and some small, you know, third world country. Um, I like to say, <clears throat> and I truly believe that we have one of the fastest growing emerging markets here in the US. Uh, if nearly 80% of our country is living paycheck to paycheck, and we've all seen the effects of the last 12 months, uh, what that's done to most Americans from a financial perspective, there's a lot of people who need access to small dollar loans as over 40% of the country can't solve just a $400 emergency cash need without borrowing from someone else or selling a personal asset to get it. So with that said, the majority of people who are borrowing um, you know, capital on this platform are doing, it, doing so for basic necessities. You know, it's groceries, uh, it, it's getting the car fixed, it's, it's gas money, it's you know, paying rent, it's keeping the lights on and paying the utility bill. Um, these are the basic things that you know, a lot of Americans are unfortunately struggling with that we provided an equitable solution for. I've never used this, so I don't know it too well, but I know you have things like Kiva and Lending Club and, and some of these other sort of microloans. I guess, what's the unique angle to this? Is it the fact that it's mobile? Is it the fact that it's a certain community or, or what? 
Yeah. So, you know, I'll use both examples. You know, when you think about Kiva, which is one of our proud partners, uh, Kiva actually approached us last year because at the the beginning of the pandemic, they were just seeing a skyrocketing amount of requests for small dollar personal loans. Well, most people don't know that Kiva only facilitates business loans. So for small business owners, mostly abroad, but, you know, for some small business owners here in the States as well, but they're not in the business of providing you money to pay your utility bill. So with getting a lot of inbound requests for these small dollar loans, they were looking for an equitable opportunity to partner with a company that's doing small personal loans. Mm. Came across Solo, we had conversations and ultimately decided to uh, in, in, um, uh, engage in a uh, co-marketing relationship where they will refer users um, to us looking for personal loans and we will refer users looking for smaller business loans. When you think about companies like Lending Club or those, um, those institutions are what I would call like the big brother or the predecessor peer-to-peer lending exchanges. Uh, they've all been focused on loans significantly larger than mm-hmm. the $500 cap that we currently have on our platform. You can get loans on those platforms, you know, Lending Club, Lending Tree Prosper for up to $40,000. And those mm-hmm. loans are for debt reconsolidation, you know, down payments on vehicles, major purchases. We're talking about the person who's literally living paycheck to paycheck and needs to make sure they get the $50 for gas to put in the car, make it to work and not get fired. Uh, so it's a pretty significant difference just um, from the, the demographics that we serve. So you have a cap on the amount of loans. So it's really keeping it focused on the smaller loans. Um, yeah, interesting. Exactly. You know, maybe a sensitive question, but I'm, I'm guessing if you're living paycheck to paycheck, and there's sometimes maybe hard to pay back these loans. So how, I guess, how do you deal with the, um, the default the and, and the bad yeah. loans? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what we're really proving is that this demographic being the underbanked uh, is much more credit worthy than they've historically been given credit for. Mm. Uh, we, we strongly believe that, and what we're proving is that, you know, these individuals are incredibly financially savvy they actually have to be very aware of their financial circumstances because if the wrong bill comes out on the wrong day, Mm. it puts them in a very tough situation. Mm -hmm. So these individuals are the ones that are checking their bank account multiple times a day, just making sure that everything is okay. Mm. Now on the flip side of that, you know, the, the typical person that you would think needs three or $400 is the person who's, you know, maybe flipping burgers or the person who seems to be, you know, less educated or not motivated. But the reality is, is if you're a school teacher living in New York City or San Francisco or Los Angeles where I am, and you're making forty or $50,000 a year and your tire goes flat, that can actually throw a wrench in your overall financial situation. You know, mm-hmm. people can't absorb that financial shock. Now think about the social worker. Now think about the police officer. These individuals, a lot of these individuals are, are highly educated. They're gainfully employed, but they can't absorb financial shock. And that is where Solo comes in. And it's, it's really exciting to be able to provide this opportunity for capital to these individuals that is more equitable and more affordable. But the real goal for us is to be able to provide a path to upward financial mobility where they can get access to more traditional financial tools and resources Think of the person who grew up in New York City, never bought a house because it's so expensive, never needed to purchase a car, um, and may or may not use credit cards, but they find themselves in a situation to where they need capital. They have no credit, and you cannot walk into any bank today and get a loan for $50 or $100. So with that said, you know, pr- providing this opportunity for us to leverage um, you know, some of their user data 
to give them at that path to uh, upward financial mobility where they get access to more traditional financial tools and resources is the ultimate end game. Um, we believe that you know we're, we're, we continue to prove that these people are much more credit worthy than being. Interesting. Uh, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, is there, I don't remember where I heard this, there was some other app that sort of had like this peer pressure to help people kind of pay things back. I guess, what are some of the pressures? Uh, you know, I think that your, your thesis is great. I think it's very logical. How else do you sort of incentivize people to, to pay it back? Or do you just make it more flexible or anything else there? Is there any like design? Yeah. Yeah. So what we've created is a per transaction based credit score. You know, mm. we believe that the FICO score is largely broken. We don't believe that it is a very clear um, depiction of someone's current financial status. Uh, when you think about the heart of the pandemic last year, um, FICO scores hit an all time high. And I don't think that, that was very you know, indicative of what people were really truly experiencing from a financial perspective. Um, your FICO score is looking at your ability to make multiple payments over a duration of time. At Solo, we're looking at your ability to make a single payment on a specified date of time. So when you think about a small dollar or a short-term loan, it's more an element of your cash flow. So we analyze banking transactional data to better understand someone's ability to repay that loan on a specified date and time. So with that, um, you know, with that said, the, the lenders on our platform are, are leveraging borrower's past repayment history, as well as what we call the social score mm -hmm. um, or solo score in our platform to better us understand risk and better uh, assess whether or not they're willing to deploy capital to Tom versus Mary versus Mike. Got it. Interesting. What's the backstory? What were you doing? Where'd you come up with this idea? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I was a financial advisor prior to, uh, to starting this business um, for about seven and a half, close to eight years. Um, and in that former life, what I realized is that, you know, my co-founder was experiencing the same thing as me. My co-founder, Rodney Williams, has, we've been best friends for about 13 years. Um, and because we share a lot of the same friends, um, we were having experiences with both friends and family where they would ask us for money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was... $50 for gas. It was $100 to pay the utility bill. It was a couple hundred dollars because the car broke down. And ultimately, we just didn't want to keep funding those personal loans. You know, yeah. those <laughs> loans are incredibly stressful on personal relationships. It's embarrassing for the person to ask for it. Um, and we started looking for other solutions to send people to. And yeah. the, the saddest part is that we just couldn't find any equitable opportunities. You know, the number one way to obtain a loan under $1,000 is to borrow from friends and family. The number two way is to borrow from a traditional payday lender or title lender um, or pawn shop. And the number three option is you go without. And we realized that you know, the, the options in, in bucket number two weren't as equitable as we wanted them to be. And we just didn't wanna send the people that we know, love or cared about to go take extremely high interest rate loans. Um, so we, and we also knew that we didn't want our friends and family to go without the things that they need, like groceries and, and, and yeah. lights um, and heat in the winter. So that's really where the idea for this came from. Now, in my former life, I realized that there's a lot of individuals who have discretionary capital that have no advisors from, you know, my former firm or any of the other, you know, large financial planning, investment management, wealth management funds. Um, 
And because they wouldn't approach, uh, uh, um, approach someone like my father who worked at General Motors for 37 years to manage his money because he would be deemed as not having enough assets to manage, I realized that there was an opportunity to unlock capital from people like my father mm. who would be looking to earn returns, also looking to have a positive social impact. And if we could unlock capital from him, we could pair it with people who needed access to small dollar loans. And we could solve those short-term cash needs more affordably than ever for the borrowers, but we could also offer significant returns to the lender side of the equation. So yeah. this, this concept of financial collaboration um, was, was really born and it, it's, it's executed every day in, in, the solo app, in the solo platform. That's, that's, that's very fascinating. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. I'd love to hear kind of the, the value prop for the other side of the equation, right? There's the people who need the loans, but then there's the people who have the capital and that you're unlocking like your dad. Um, is there sort of a you know, risk-return trade-off, right? If these are potentially risky loans, is, am I expecting a higher rate of return on these loans? Or what kind of ranges of uh, interest rates or returns can, can the lenders expect to get? Yeah, you know, what's really exciting is that we actually empower the borrowers to create their own terms. You mm. know, again, the focus here is just on, you know, how can we create a really equitable and affordable solution for these individuals who actually are quite creditworthy? Um, and, you know, by allowing the borrower to create the terms and full transparency for whoever is going to deploy the capital to that borrower, i.e. the lender, they can see in the marketplace what their return is going to be before they actually fund that transaction. And because there are no imposed fees, Solo sets no rates on the platform, borrowers have complete control, but lenders also have complete control and autonomy as well. So if they're looking to earn a certain return, you know, they can essentially see or find that return in the marketplace that makes them comfortable and then they can deploy capital. But there is no set interest rate. There are no transaction fees for lender or borrower. This is a completely you know, transparent and equitable solution for both sides to uh, to do well and do good at the same time. What is the business model, though? You must be taking your piece somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So, so Solo gets paid um, in a few ways. Um, you know, at loan origination, we give the borrower an option to donate to the platform. Oh. Um, no preferential treatment shown to a borrower who decides to donate versus ones who do not. Um, what we realize is that most of them do because they're really excited to be able to come to a platform. Maybe excited is the wrong word. I think they're relieved to come mm -hmm. to a platform where they don't have to fill out a formal application. No one is saying, hey, you're approved or you're declined. Anyone can post a loan to the marketplace. Um, and we're taking a very brick and mortar business um, and a very ACH driven business, which means you get your money in two to three business days. And what we've done is we put it on debit rails. So when a lender and a borrower matches, which happens to be a median time of about 36 minutes, which mm -hmm. is unprecedented in this space, um, they actually, the borrower actually gets money in their bank account within seconds. So they have ready to use funds same mm -hmm. day, which is incredibly valuable. So the, the way that you know, we get paid is you know, that donation at origination. We also uh, released a feature April of last year that we call solo lender protection. Solo lender protection allows a lender to opt in for a nominal fee, uh, the ability to protect their loan against the inherent default risk that would exist in a peer-to-peer -peer lending exchange. So if the lender decides to opt into that, uh, we charge them a fee, but if that loan that they funded goes delinquent, they actually get 100% of the loan principal back. They get that back in the form of a credit that can be used to fund a subsequent loan in the marketplace, but when that subsequent loan is repaid, they get their cash back. 
So it's not a credit like a store credit that would be issued in perpetuity. It does revert back to cash. So what that's done is it's significantly improved the overall net lender return because they're not absorbing a loss. Um, but it also allows for that capital to power even more of an impact in, in yeah. the platform in general. Cool. All right. Let's talk about raising money for this. So how much have you guys raised and over how many rounds? Uh, we raised $14 million, um, over two rounds. So our, our seed in Series A. Let's talk about the early days and, and getting this off the ground. And, and did you do any friends and family or did you just go straight to that seed round or what? We did. Um, very, very, very little friends and family. Um, you know, as a, as, a, as, a, as a minority founder or a Black founder specifically, um, you know, when you think about the, the wealth gap uh, that, you know, people like myself experience, right? You know, average, you know, uh, call it the net worth of a Black family is about $17,000 uh, versus, you know, our, our white counterparts is about 170000 plus, maybe 171000 somewhere around there. Um, significant difference. So when, you know, you have this great idea and, you know, you're talking about, you know, raising capital to, to get off the ground, um, many of the people who look like me, unfortunately, just don't have the opportunity to go raise mm. a half a million dollars or a million dollars from friends and family. So it requires being a bit more resourceful. Fortunately mm. for me, um, you know, I had a professional background prior to this. My co-founder also had a professional background prior to starting his first company. Um, that he was able to go raise over $40 million for. And because of his relationships and in my relationships, we had the ability to go out and, and talk to investors early on that many founders who you know, look like me or just starting off in general, because raising money, no matter what color you are, is hard. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's incredibly difficult. So you know, we were able to leverage some, some relationships and resources that we had because of our former lives that made it um, a bit easier um, not easy, but easier to raise uh, the capital. But you know, with that said, um, we did have some some really strong supporters early on um, that gave us what they could um, from friends and family, and then uh, and then from there we were kind of off to the races with other angel investors who were a bit more seasoned. Talk about that process. So you know, like you've just said, you're kind of coming from a um, um, less advantaged. Mm -hmm. perspective. So how did you yeah. identify angel investors? How did you get in front of them? You know, really get into the details of like how you put that, that first round of capital together. Um, any tactics, any tips, any things that worked for you that you did kind of interest? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's really about selling the story and the vision. And, mm -hmm. and we would share that with as many people as we possibly could. Um, what I was really excited about early on is that a lot of our early capital did come from, from other Black angels um, mm. because they experienced a lot of the same issues that we did. Um, and, you know, when you're one of the more successful people in your families, you're kind of the go-to person to ask for money. Uh -huh. <laughs> and we, would, we would really kind of harp on that pain point that we felt, but we know for sure they feel because they have significantly more money Oh, oh you're, you're saying they they get hit up for loans all the time because yes. yes. so they totally get your value prop. It's, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So when I would talk to them about you know friends and family asking for money, you know you would just see them kind of like, oh man, like tell me about it. Like sure. you know I can't even tell you how many people owe me money right now from my 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 personal network. Yeah, and you know them understanding that and 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 us putting more structure around those transactions 
you know, the first thing that they would say is, oh, is this out? Is this released yet? Like I would, the next time someone asks me for money, I'm going to send them to this. Like I will give you the money. I'll lend you the money, but I'm going to lend it to you on this yeah. because, you know, the, 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 the thing that we would connect on the most was like this convenient amnesia that people would get sure. when it was time to pay back. And, and that's what was really stressful in those personal relationships. So to put real structure around these transactions um, and provide more transparency and then do an automatic debit from the borrower's account on the agreed upon repayment date versus depending on them to remember it's time to pay back, you know, you know, Nathan for his, for this loan. Yeah. It was a complete game changer. So, you know, that, that, that personal pain point that, that we were experiencing was one that so many people in our communities feel, but I think it, it transcends across the board. Um, but, but that's what that, that early story is, is what really got us over the hump. Totally makes sense. How did you identify uh, like black angels? Was there a list? Did you just, uh, you know, where'd you find them? Yeah. So, you know, the, the community is really small, right. Okay. Um, of, of black angels, uh, of, of even just black tech entrepreneurs. Like we almost kind of all know each other. And if we don't know each other personally, <laughs> like we've heard of the person before. Sure. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like when you meet, you know, five high net worth individuals who are deploying capital into tech startups, they're going to in- introduce you to, you know, five other people each. And it just kind of was a snowball effect from there. And, and really just kind of leveraging the power of our network and the power of network effects allowed us to continue to get in front of these individuals. Um, you know, there are um, angel networks. Um, you know, there's one that's not an investor of mine, but I'm just going to shout them out just because, um, you know, Black Angels uh, Miami, um, okay. who are, are doing some really amazing things. But there's a number of, of, of angel groups across the country that are either, you know, led by you know, an African-American or, or a collective of, of African-Americans that, you know, I, I think is going to be, it's really awesome because the capital early on at a seed stage is so difficult to get and friends and family or call it pre-seed is so difficult to get, um, to have individuals who kind of understand some of those pain points that, you know, I did uh, yeah. was incredibly valuable and will be valuable to other founders. Any other, that's great. I think that's, that's super useful. Any other shout outs? If someone's listening to this, they're a black founder, they're just starting this whole process. Any other shout outs just to start to research or look at like black, uh, black angels, Miami, anything else like that? Yeah. Um, uh, I would say, um, a, a number of, of funds led by black individuals that are on our cap table and I'll, I'll shout out impact America fund, uh, based in the Bay area, Mac Venture Capital based here in um, Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the earliest investors uh, in, in our seed round and, and our largest investor in our seed round was Richard Lou Dennis, um, who is a successful entrepreneur, uh, had his company Sundown Brands acquired by Unilever a few years ago, but he actually runs two funds. He runs a fund called New Voices Fund, which is a $100 million fund partnered with Unilever um, focused on, you know, black women founders. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also has another fund, New General Markets Ventures, which is kind of everything else um, that he does. But, <clears throat> you know, those are some of our really, really early supporters. Um, and, and I'll also shout out Rain Ventures, who just closed um, their first um, fund. They're also based in Miami um, and are one of our, probably one of our earliest supporters. Uh, before they were even a fund, they were angel investors who supported us, um, Monique Mosley and, and uh, Eric and who we're both running, you know, kind of their separate, uh, you know, own family offices and, and, and angel investments and then collaborated to create a fund. So there's, there's a lot yeah. out there. 
and and we're really excited to be partnered with uh, many of them. No, that's, that's a, those are great starting points, I think, for people to kind of explore and tap tap into. Um, very good. Well, why don't we talk about this most recent round? Um, uh, you want to talk about putting this together? I guess what had changed in between the rounds and was this just a growth round? Um, what can you share? Yeah. yeah. So really what changed was like exponential growth. Mm-hmm. Um, when we launched the solo lender protection feature last April, um, we went on a run of just 40% consistent month over month growth. Many months over 40%. Um, but on average, it was about 40, 44% month over month growth. Um, you know, when you start to kind of put those numbers on the board, it starts to wake people up. And, you know, whether they thought, hey, maybe this isn't going to work, or maybe they need institutional capital to keep this going, you know, when they start to see um, that type of growth rate, um, it starts to just make a lot of sense to people. So I would say that growth was our solution. Um, for some others, they don't have to prove the growth. Um, and that's frustrating to watch from the sidelines sometimes, but for us, mm. that was definitely, you know, the, the, the changing, the, the change agent for, for, for us. Um, you know, with that said though, I, I think we, we, we improved the platform just overall, and we mm-hmm. really started to focus on, you know, stronger unit economics. We started to focus on going out and securing, you know, higher, you know, more experienced levels of talent. Um, and when you start bringing in, you know, more experienced talent, you start navigating potholes that you would have otherwise hit. Um, you're able to kind of feed from some of the experiences that they've had in the past, um, the things that work well, the things that don't work well. Um, and I think that's really what was, you know, the, 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 the call it the impact. And the impactful point for us was one, it was talent. Two, mm-hmm. we made some really, really big bets that translated, translated to growth. Um, and then from there, you know, we found partners that understood what we were doing and were really bought into the mission. And I think at the end of the day, the mission that we're on, which is to create, you know, to provide financial autonomy for all mm-hmm. is some, something that resonated with, you know, our, our investors in the Series A. Um, they understood how massive this market is of people who need access to more equitable capital. They understood that, you know, something was changing in the market where people were looking for returns. Um, you know, that's the reason why everyone is familiar with Robinhood today. That's the reason why, you know, people are deploying capital on Coinbase. You know, all of these non-traditional investors who most of, not all of them do not have, you know, a guy at Deutsche Bank or, or Goldman Sachs managing their money. You know, these people are taking their paychecks and they're now deploying money into single stocks and, and cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they look at solo, it's a very similar opportunity. It's a significant return potential, but it also feels really good when you give someone money to go get groceries or to pay their rent and keep a roof over their head. But the fact that they pay you back and you're able to earn, you know, a return from that is, uh, you know, it's really the best of both worlds. So, you know, we're really, we, we were, you know, we, we experienced growth at an inflection point that a lot of investors understood. And I, I think that the stars really disaligned. So just one, one or two more questions on this most recent round. Did you, uh, how much was it? And did you stay with sort of uh, black focused uh, investors or more broad, broadly casting the net on this or what? Yeah. So um, it was, it was a $10 million series A mm-hmm. and um, you know, no, I, I'm happy that we, I'm happy to say that we had a number of, of black VCs 
um, participate in the round, but it was led by Acme Capital, mm -hmm. um, who was early in Airbnb, early in Uber, early in um, you know, DraftKings, a number of other companies, but particularly early in marketplaces, mm -hmm. um, which Solo is. And, and that's the kind of expertise that we were, um, you know, we were really looking for um, with an investor at this stage is someone who really understood, you know, the marketplace dynamic. I was not actually familiar with these guys, Acme, but they've got the coolest portfolio of companies. They've got like X-Wing and Uber and SpaceX and Slack. I mean, they've got, and of course you guys, but they've got a really... Uh, really cool portfolio you know so yeah that's neat what um, those guys those guys are incredibly smart they're they're i like to call them rock stars because you know there's a lot of vcs who are not very personable um i would say that the team at uh, acme is incredibly personable they just get it um you know they understand what's really happening in the world and they're not in their little bubble mm -hmm. um which i think gave them the conviction and the understanding uh, of why solo matters why it's it's it has a potential to be really big mm -hmm. um but also gave them the conviction to to actually do the deal so um shout out to uh to team acne how did you get connected with them and uh you know i guess how did you just sort of land on them or 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 find them so i i too like you were not familiar with uh with acne prior to uh our first meeting and what was really interesting is three of my current investors um two of whom were um, large investors running family offices. Um, and then one who was a former, who was a founder and, and is actually one of the portfolio companies. Um, all three of these individuals were on my cap table. <clears throat> and I got introduced by two of them probably within a couple of days of each other. Um, and then as I was on the phone, you know, kind of going through my first pitch, it came out that we knew this third person um, who was very, very close with them as well. So there was just a lot of synergy um, mm. that was created early just because of the familiarity that we had um, with mutual contacts. That was, uh, that, that's, probably re that's probably the reason why we both, both sides got comfortable so quickly and, and why we got a deal done um, in, in, in a short time period. One of their companies is Savage Fenty, which is lingerie Rihanna. by Rihanna. Yeah. <laughs> They've got, yeah. they do it all. Flying, do it all. flying planes to lingerie by Rihanna. They do it all. <laughs> um, interesting. Good, good stuff. Well, any other, you know, just general advice, tips, tactics you would like to give entrepreneurs that we haven't covered? I don't know if there's any specific advice for for black founders or, or just generalized advice or any other, you know, uh, stories to tell or, or the question I always ask too, anything you would tell your younger self if you were doing this all over again, you know, a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, what I would say is that the key to this game is not giving up mm -hmm. and staying in it. Never ever internalizing the word no because mm. it's the word that you're going to hear more than any other word. Yep. Um, and if you do internal, if you're someone who is incapable of internalizing the word no and you take it personally, then this is just not what you should be doing. Um, you should go just get a regular job. It's <laughs> going to be a lot easier. You're going to have you're going to have much better sleep uh, at night. Um, but if you're someone who's willing to bet on yourself, and and when you hear the word no, you hear not yet like I do. Mm. Um, I think this, this is, is an opportunity for you to be wildly successful. Um, I, I think for, you know, most, 
most entrepreneurs, they don't realize how many no's they're going to have to hear before they get to the yes. Um, You know, I feel like for any round that you raise, you're going to have to talk to between 40 to 60 investors. Um, and, and, and that's a lot of no's. That's a lot of people who will, who can make you, you know, doubt yourself or doubt your, your beliefs and your mission or your vision. Um, but you have to stay really grounded and just stay laser focused on the end goal. Mm-hmm. You know, for, um, for, for, for my minority founders, I would just say that, you know, yeah, it's no secret that the, the road is tougher. Um, but I always look at it as it's a competitive advantage because if you're undervalued and underfunded, uh, it forces you to be much more creative with the way, you know, you build your business because mm-hmm. you have to, you have to build a stronger business earlier on because you don't have an excess of capital. Um, when capital is abundant, you can make a lot of bad decisions. And that's sure. really what it, it, it provides is for the ability for you to make really bad choices and be able to absorb them. But, you know, when you're, when you're under-resourced, you have to be much more thoughtful um, with the decisions that you make. Yeah. But I think it helps us build better businesses. So I, I look at that disadvantage as almost, you know, a, a superhero power that that we have to be more creative. And um, I'm excited to uh, to be on this journey. Cool. Excellent. Good stuff. If people want to learn more, uh, solofunds.com, uh, right? Absolutely. And anything you want to promote or plug or just have people check it out and make some, make some loans? Yeah, I, I just want people to use it. You know, if there's anyone that you know who needs access to, to small dollar capital, please tell them to go check us out. Um, and if you're one of the fortunate people who have discretionary capital and are looking to do well and do good at the same time, uh, please consider becoming a lender. Cool. Excellent. All right, Travis. Well, thanks. This is an interesting story for sure. And uh, good luck. Spend that money wisely like we just talked about. And we'll catch you after your, your Series B. Definitely. Thanks again for having me. You bet. Bye. Bye. Bye.